Welcome to Prior to the Snap, the profiles of football pros. A podcast where we will highlight careers, stories, and behind-the-scene insights of special individuals in professional football. Now, your host of Prior to the Snap, Mallory Green. Welcome back, everybody. So I finally feel like I'm getting the gist of this. (laughs) It's been a really fun journey so far. I've loved every guest that I've had, and I have felt so honored to be a part of telling their story. And that's the number one reason why I'm here. Um, I love getting to know people better, especially people that we might see on TV, but we don't really know anything about them. So I feel like the fruition of this podcast is coming too, and I'm, I'm excited that you guys are here with me. So just a reminder, new episodes are every Tuesday. Um, so if you like what you hear, you want more, you can subscribe, and every Tuesday is when a new episode airs. And then um, I'm also on Instagram if you wanted to uh, learn a little bit more about each guest that we do. So last week we had Andrea She is somebody that has been such an inspiration to me. I have really looked up to her and I've picked her brain so much when it comes to being a professional in sports, especially in football. Um, And I feel like she had a lot of um, good things to add. So I'm so happy that she was um, able to join the podcast. So today... We have a really fun guest, um, kind of shifting gears a little bit. We've talked to some officials. We've talked to an ex-player. We've talked to um, Dean Blandino, Andrea, who gives us a little bit of insight. And today we're talking to a coach and a coach that is probably a household name. Um, So I want to introduce Marvin Lewis. So welcome, Marvin. Mallory, it's great to be here with you. Yeah, I'm so excited you're here. So I know a lot of people probably know who you are, um, but go ahead and introduce yourself. Well, I'm uh, Marvin Lewis, and I'm currently the uh, co-defensive coordinator here at Arizona State University. And uh, it's kind of my second year being affiliated here with the program here at ASU. Last year, I kind of worked as an advisor to Coach uh, Edwards and the football staff. And previous to that, I was uh, 16 years the head football coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. And I've been coaching in the NFL prior to coming here the last 27 years. Uh, 16 years as a head coach, 11 years as a defensive coordinator in the NFL, and four years as a linebacker coach, uh, starting with the Pittsburgh Steelers in 1992. So, And I coached 11 years uh, previous to that in college football. That's amazing. What a great career. For sure. Something to be proud of. So where are you from? Tell us a little bit about well, what your I, life looked yeah. like before the NFL. <laughs> well, I actually grew up in a, a small town, McDonald, Pennsylvania, outside of Pittsburgh, PA, and uh, went to high school there and ironically uh, went all the way across the country to Idaho State University. And uh, I was a freshman in 1976. Mallory, and I think I had the pleasure of playing football with your father starting in about 78, yeah. 77 or 78. Yeah, that's why he tells Carl. me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember that. That's like a, a distant memory of thing. Well, I mean, obviously I wasn't born yet, but just his glory days, as I like to say. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but, but yes, uh, so I spent uh, uh, five years as a player at Idaho State and four years as a coach. So I spent nine years in Pocatello. That's amazing. What were your thoughts on Pocatello, Idaho? (laughs) 
Well, you know, it, it's funny when you grow up like I did back on the other side of the country and you come to Pocatello and uh, then it was probably about half the size it is now. But but it was, you know, somebody said you're going to go to school and it's going to be in the mountains. I had no idea what that meant. Yeah. But uh, obviously it was great uh, for me, great opportunity, a lot of great friendships, met my wife there. Uh, so uh, a lot of good things happened for me at, at Idaho State in Pocatello. Nice. So is your family, is your wife's family still there? They, she actually grew up in a small town in Nevada, Ely, Nevada. Oh, okay. So she was just going to school there as well. Yeah, she just went to school there. So, um, and then her family moved to Salt Lake. So um, at one while she was in college, her family moved to Salt Lake. So her mom and dad are still in the Salt Lake area. And both brothers are in the Salt Lake area. They both went to the U. Very nice. Do you go visit Salt Lake at all to see her family? Yeah, we, we actually would, you know, back when my knees were, were a little better, we would actually take a ski trip almost every year to, to Salt up to Park City and the canyons and uh, and spend, you know, time at least once a year with her family in Salt Lake. Oh, that's amazing. I grew up there and I was never really a big skier. I did enjoy it, but I was probably like a only every other season type of, of skier up there. So tell us a little bit about your childhood. What inspired you to love football and want to follow the game as a career? Well, literally, I started playing football when I was eight years old. And, uh, you know, I think from the time I started playing football, that's all I ever thought about. That's all I wanted to do. It seemed like I did play other sports. I wrestled. I played baseball. But football was always the draw. And uh, as I went to college and played football and then, uh, you know, coaching is what I wanted to do. So I was fortunate enough to be able to to make a decision and choose that career path and, uh, and and stay with it. Very fortunate to stay with it. That's awesome. So did you have siblings that liked So I have two sisters. Well? Yes, I have two sisters that are both younger. One's two years younger than me. She actually went to college up in Spring, Springfield, Massachusetts, and now lives a little bit north of Pittsburgh, but is on her way trying to move back. Uh, more closer towards where we grew up. And my other sister uh, is retired from the uh, sheriff's department and lives still in the Pittsburgh area and works for, uh, now for a uh, university on, uh, in doing security. Very nice. So did your love of football kind of just come from yourself, just really enjoying the game? Or did you I, have I, like an inspiration of someone where you're like, yeah, I, I, I want to be like that? I don't know that I had any one particular inspiration. I think I was fortunate to have a number of people who really, uh, as a young player, as a youth uh, player, uh, men that ran the youth program that really were good people, good men, and they taught me about the game, and I, and I wanted to know more, and I was fortunate to learn more and more, and uh, always positive experiences, I feel like, and I think that's important. I always tell uh, coaches at every level when they when you have these young people that you are coaching and mentoring understand that that they're going they're going to listen and follow you so make sure everything that comes out of your mouth is a positive yeah yeah that's that's good advice so um before you were a head coach though you said earlier that you were a linebacker coach for many years um how did your passion for that exact position come about was that what you played before or did you kind of just gravitate towards that one well it's more probably it was probably forced gravitation because I came to college as a quarterback and then I went to the more less skilled positions as time went on uh, safety then eventually linebacker but 
uh, really moved to linebacker at Idaho State just to get an opportunity to play and, uh, and, and took advantage of it. And I think beginning in 1978, got an opportunity to start games and, uh, and kind of never relinquished it and never looked back. Yeah. So did you, how did your love of that position evolve through your coaching? Did you really learn to uh, embrace that that specific position on the team since you were the coach of that position for so long? I think just the the opportunity to, as a coach, you know, you need to become an expert at what you do. You want to know the ins and outs of everything that you uh, that you're about your position and how it works and so forth, so that you're able to communicate those skills uh, to the guys, your coaches, and coaching and help them be able to emulate how to do positive things all the time and put them in position to make positive plays. Yeah. So did you go from being, was the, the process went from you being a linebackers coach to a head coach or was there a different coaching? Yeah. I, I was the defensive coordinator for uh, 11 seasons. I was six seasons as a defensive coordinator of the, of the Baltimore Ravens one year, the Washington Redskins and then became the head coach. Uh, of the Bengals in 2003. So uh, so I had spent 11 years as a defensive coordinator prior to becoming a head coach. Very nice. How was that phone call? <laughs> that moment of like, hey, we want you to be our head coach. Was it kind of surreal? Well, you kind of go through a lot of, uh, you know, different stages to the process as far as uh, the interview process, which is literally a two-way street, you know. They're interviewing you and, and you're interviewing them. Right. And, uh, so it was a you know process that happened over a couple of different meetings, and uh, when the opportunity arises, then you got to make the decision: is this is this the one that's right for me? I had other opportunities that I had passed on, and, and you know you got to make sure the opportunity is right when you decide to to to, to take that opportunity. Then you got to go full bore. Yeah. So, what were kind of the things you were looking for when it came to your next step? Well, I think number one, people that were committed to winning. Right. I think that's the thing that that more than anything that you got to feel good about the organization and how the structure is going to be, and that you're all on the same page, and 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 everybody is committed to pulling in the same direction to win, and I and I think it's really really important uh, with that, and uh, you know that's probably the first part of it all the time. Right. And so when you're in those positions, though, you're always evolving, I'm sure. So are you constantly type like interviewing for new positions or interviewing people to come join your coaching staff at the end of every off season? Is it kind of like a rebirth of your whole staff or do you try to keep it the same as much as you can every season? You, you really do want to try to keep it the same as much as you can. Uh, you hope not to have that much change. Uh, year in and year out, you know, you really don't. You want to make it as, as keep it as consistent as you can. Uh, you know, just it. it you don't want to have a whole lot of change, and and uh, but it is unfortunately the nature of the business at times is you're going to have some transition and change with your coaches. Right, right. So, how was the process of interviewing when it comes to like? flying around and having to visit all these different places. Did your family go with you? Did you have, did you inquire a lot with your wife on, you know, where she wants to go or did she just support you when it came to whatever you wanted the decision to be? Well, I would say she's very supportive, but I think I always kept, 
you know, somewhat, you know, we weren't someone that moved a, a great deal. A lot of coaches moved twice or three times as many times as we did. Uh, so it's not, not one for me uh, to go out and chase new jobs week in, you know, year in, year out. Right. And, uh, you know, I was very fortunate to be one place for basically for, for six years at a time uh, for, you know, and then 16 years, four years in Pittsburgh before that two years university of pittsburgh before that so so literally being in one place six seven and 16 years you know my kids were very fortunate and lucky that they only had to go to school in two different places no oh, that's amazing i hear that that's one of the biggest downfalls is the travel because i know my husband's in the military and i know it's a completely different field of work but it involves a lot of traveling and uprooting your family frequently and it does definitely wear on you <laughs> having to yeah. start over in new places all the time no there, there's no question about it that that's one of the hardest things is the fact that yeah you do end up uh, at times getting you know you're a little bit uprooted and, and you do have to change and uh, and move yeah yeah so you were though like you said with the Cincinnati Bengals for 16 seasons as the head coach did you really make that city your home? Did it feel really homey while you were there? Oh yeah, it does. You know, it, you, you know, uh, being like I was for as long as I was, there's no question about that. Uh, that, that, you know, you felt like it was your home. And I can remember, uh, my first years, I think there, and they had a thing, they, uh, a boat show on the river, uh, that they would have. And I just remember that, uh, how, cool it was seeing these uh, large smoke boats with the smokestacks and the and the big wheels and I was just like boy it'd be cool uh, to be able to come back when to yeah. see this tall it's called tall stacks when they have it the next time <laughs> that's nice so do you want to go back and travel there and you know do you miss anything specific about that city now that you're not there uh, I you know you miss the our friends and our people and so we'll from time to time no question, be able to go back, uh, uh, you know, um, and and visit friends. There's no question about it. Yeah, we have a lot of great friends there, and uh, you know, so there'll be times that for sure we'll be traveling back and forth at times. Yeah, if you had to think of like one restaurant there that you really want to go back and eat at, what would you say that it is? Well, boy, I'm going to upset a lot of people now. Oh, <laughs> well, you don't have to tell me a name then. You just tell me what kind <laughs> of food it is. <laughs> well, it it, uh, it kind of has somewhat of an Italian flair to it. Nice. But uh, but they really do a great job. That's one of the best things about Cincinnati is, like, if you go back, you can't, like, make just one trip because there's so many different great places to eat. And, uh, you know, you really uh, – I'll miss that part of it. Yeah, I've never been there, honestly, so maybe I need to venture over there and see what that city is all about. I've lived in a lot of cities, but Cincinnati isn't one of them, so maybe I need to go <laughs> visit sometime. How is your wife feeling about the transition? Uh, she's enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. You know, we have two grandsons here, so so we were going to be here. You know, we've had a house here for five years, six years before me moving here, so it's been great. Nice. So is there any individuals from the team or the locker room and you don't have to give names obviously, but anybody that you grew close, close to as your time in Cincinnati that you still stay in touch with? 
oh, you know, you really do. You know, I mean, occasionally I will hear from the players and so forth. Um, but you do. You you have a chance to, uh, you know, uh, you know, just you, you want to see their progress. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, these guys, when you draft them, uh, they're young. They're young men, and and as time goes on, they really uh, grow and mature. And uh, you, you just want to see them, you know, uh, continue to, to uh, their career and so forth. And uh, it's just a blessing to to be there and be a part of watching them grow up. And they get married, and they have families, and and that's the cool part. Yeah, that's kind of my dad said kind of the same thing about but he was talking about young officials that are coming up in the officiating game and said he almost gets like that proud dad moment sometimes you know and you you see those you know that one that's really working hard and putting it in and then you finally they can see the fruits of their labor and it's it's one of the best parts of the job he says no question yeah well that's amazing I'm glad that you've Got some lifelong friends there. So, but you were recently named the co-defensive coordinator, correct, at Arizona State? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, what's the transition been like going from NFL to college? <laughs> well, it's you know, it's funny since I've been out of college football, I would say the biggest change now here is you know these guys all expect themselves to be uh, in the National Football League soon. And uh, it's just part of the process. Uh, this is just one step in it. Uh, we're recruiting to that uh, kind of player. And, uh, you know, it's been fun to be here and be a part of it and, and watch the maturation of these players. And hopefully I can help them along the way. And we win a lot of games as we do that. Yeah. So I know a lot of people, the NFL is probably their end all or it's their goal. So working in a field where you were there already in the NFL, people have reached that goal that they want. Does the, does the look in the eyes of the players now in college look a little different? Like they're trying to get there, you know, do they ever ask for your advice on what it, what it takes to make it to that place? Oh yeah. There's yes. And that, and that really was part of my role here to have the opportunity to do that and, uh, uh, you know, make, uh, try to have an impact and, and be here as a sounding board for them. Yeah. Andrea talked a little bit about how there's so much behind the scenes that happen with football, especially in the college level that you don't see on game day. There's people that help keep their grades up and there's people that help, you know, make sure that they're eligible for games. So is that a new factor when it comes to coaching these players that you weren't used to having to do in the NFL? Well, you, you just, you know, uh, you're your sounding board and it's, it's, you know, being able to, uh, uh, help them navigate, you know, how to stay there. That's the most important thing. And that's what you're trying to get them to understand. Right. It's how to stay at that level. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's very competitive. You know, when you go to college, you're basically promised you're going to be here for four seasons, five seasons. That's not the same thing in the NFL. Right. <laughs> it's, 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 it's literally week to week. Yeah. So it's do you, not day to day. Yeah. So do you get, do you feel like you get a different type of relationship with the player in a, on a college level than you do on the NFL level because they know that they're going to be there for a little bit longer period of time? 
Well, I, I think so, but I think that you're able to, you know, really uh, give them the knowledge of, uh, of, of, you know, what it takes to, to, to make it at that level. Right. And, uh, and encourage them, reinforce, you know, things that way. So besides having like a strong football IQ or the passion or being a hard worker, what are three skills a young person yeah, should bring to the I think you hit table? on a lot of them right there. Mallory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are three I mean, other ones? <laughs> if you, you had to come up with work, it. <laughs> you said hardworking. Yeah. Uh, you have to have a, a, a football IQ. And you obviously have to have some God-given athleticism and ability. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, that's the thing that's, that's most important. Um, you always, what I would always tell the young guys, you look around the room and you see who's been here the longest. That's the person you want to emulate. Right. Because they know how to eat. They know how to study. They know how to rest. They know how to train. They know how to do it all and stay here. And that's the important part. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I, I like that. So what would you say if somebody that wants to go down the coaching route instead of the player route, would you still tell them the same thing or is there a different type of preparation they, that they yeah, should do? They, they have to have a patience. They have to have a humility and they have to be willing to spend the time to, to, to become an expert at it and yet know that, you know what, it may not just break that way for you right away. And whether you're coaching eight-year-olds, 18-year-olds, or 28-year-olds, it's all coaching. And and how you get better at coaching is coaching and opportunity. Yeah. So in the off-season, I know that officials do camps and players do camps. Do coaches have any type of off-season camps or academies or training events that they go to? Well, yeah. There's, there's plenty of coaches' clinics and things like that where you can go and listen to coaches from other areas uh, share their knowledge, okay? And then, uh, you know, like, for instance, you study what other people do, and I think that's important. Um, you know, you study other people's teams, who does what well, and then you can see, you can maybe glean something from that that you can add to what you're doing. Right. And uh, that's really important to be able to spend time and do that. Yeah. Would you say that training camps, like the spring training camps for the players, is it is a good time for you as a coach as well? Do you like to see like the new the new recruits out there with the veterans and trying to work out how to be a team together? Yeah, that's really important for young guys who maybe didn't get as much opportunity in the fall. The big thing right now in college football is the early enrollees. We have nine guys who literally haven't gone to their senior prom yet that are here on campus right now at ASU. And oh, okay. uh, so, <laughs> so it's really, you know, the, the whole thing is sped up from where it used to be. Yeah, everything is seems to be going quicker and faster. Yes, that's the trend these days. Yeah. So um, when I talked to Dean Blandino, he talked a little bit about where we're going with technology in the game, you know, how he was, he was talking a lot about replay and all the different camera angles that we have and everything. What would be your opinion of how the game is progressing when it comes to technology? I think one area has been sports science and the ability to monitor uh, the workloads of players, their physical activity, 
some of their uh, skill, explosion, uh, change of direction, burst, et cetera. And then you can get into the analytics sometimes of the game. Um, sometimes I don't always agree with them, yeah. but, uh, but, that's the, <laughs> but that's the way it is. Yeah, he and talked people use that. that. You know, people use that to, to make decisions and, and evaluate and so forth. Yeah. Did, was there ever a time when you were on the field as a head coach where you didn't agree with the technology, <laughs> you know, like with the replays and all the different camera angles? Did you ever feel like it hindered it more than it helped? Well, it slows it down. But I do think sometimes uh, for the egregious uh, errors in the plays, you want to get it right. And, and I'm all in agreement to trying to get it right as much as we can. Yeah. Yeah. He talked too about the human element behind football and how the yeah. officials are really the only ones that people expect to be perfect. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, they're the we, only we one can, on the field that are expected to not make mistakes. We can thank high definition television for that because <laughs> they created that. I know. And that's, that's, that's what he said. He said, it's, you know, he wishes that the, the viewer, could see it in real time like everybody else, you know, but they're just a spectator right. watching a show, you know. Right. See, I, I agree a lot with Dean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, he he gave us a lot of behind the scenes of what goes on at Fox, and it's pretty interesting, actually. So yeah. there's a lot it, that goes behind a football game that not a lot of people know about. There's no question. There's You have 22 people, 22 moving parts every play. There's a lot going on. Yeah. So do you get any say when it comes to change within your team, whether it be an assistant coach, a head coach, the, the role that you're in now? Do people, if you, even if you're just giving advice on, I think that we should do X, Y, and Z, do, do you have the authority to give any type of advice when it comes to changing of the, of the team? Well, a lot of the things that we do, you know, Coach Edwards kind of includes me on a lot of what, what he he does at least ask my input and so forth. And, uh, you know, as a head coach, obviously I had a lot of input in everything we did or, or had the final say so. And then for a number of years, while how I got to know Dean so well, I was on the NFL competition committee for 11 or so, 12 seasons. So I really got the opportunity to learn uh, behind the how things work in the National Football League. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I'm so glad. Thank you so much for taking – time out of your schedule. I know there's a lot going on. I always end every episode with some funny questions. So they're really lighthearted. It's nothing serious, but so I'm going to ask you just some fun questions about yourself. So, okay. Number one, have you ever sang karaoke? Have I ever sang karaoke? I believe twice. Yeah. Once in, once in Barcelona, Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember what songs you said? I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe one other time. I think I had to do it like this. Uh, participate in a rookie show once when I was the new coach. Yeah, you had to get up there and sing karaoke. I couldn't think yeah, of anything worse Steelers, to do. I think it was, yeah. <laughs> Getting up in front of the Steelers and singing karaoke, yeah. I literally couldn't think of anything else worse <laughs> in life <laughs> to do. So if you had a superpower, would you choose to be invisible or be able to read minds? So one more time, if I, if I what? If you had a superpower, would you rather have it be that you could be invisible or read somebody's mind? 
somebody's be somebody's I'm sorry like read somebody's mind like tell what somebody's thinking without oh, them saying would, it out loud I would be invisible yeah yeah yes you know what I don't think I want to know what's going on in half the people's <laughs> minds out there um yeah. so what is your favorite genre of movies probably action my wife hates that yeah. what is her favorite her favorite is comedies or, you know, as they say, chick love stories. All right. So last question then, what would be your favorite movie of all time? If you could think of one. Bad Boys 1. Yeah, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. a good one. I think my husband would agree with you on that one. <laughs> I haven't seen the new one yet, so we got to go see the new one. Yeah, you do. Well, enjoy your time in Arizona. You are well loved by many, and I'm so thankful that you took the time to sit down and chat with me. It really means a lot. So have a great season next year. All right. Thank you, Mal, very Uh, much. My pleasure. Glad to be a part. Yeah, thanks so much, Marvin. Thanks for listening to Prior to the Snap, the Profiles of Football Pros podcast. Be sure to subscribe on all major platforms.